Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, Explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 157 of the podcast. It's the 2nd of January, 2019, as I record this intro. And Happy New Year! This week on the podcast, Sue Patterson joins me to talk about unschooling intentions. I love the energy of a new year, yet I am not so keen on making resolutions. I explain why at the beginning of our conversation, but basically for me, resolutions seem to be more like rules in disguise. For lasting change, I need something meatier. I definitely have a lot of fun chatting with Sue about the kinds of unschooling-related intentions that parents might choose depending on where they are on their unschooling journey. I hope you find it helpful as you embrace the new year. As a personal update, Rocco and I and the kids have had a really fun week and a half hanging out together. We went on many walks in the forest, we played lots of games, ate yummy food, and we welcomed a new puppy into the family. Now, not the doggy sleeping on the bed, that's Lissy's dog, Burton. The new puppy has settled in quickly and can now be found either bouncing around in full puppy play mode or passed out asleep. Exploring names for him has been a big part of the last week as well, so my whiteboard has become a centerpiece for name lists and lots of voting rounds. I'll let you know what we finally settle on. And with the new year, it continues to be a fascinating journey for me, trying to take what I love to do, which is to help parents connect more deeply with their children and cultivate a thriving, unschooling lifestyle in their family, and to create a sustainable business around that. It's my dream to be able to support my own family through my work. It feels like such a win-win opportunity for all of us. So I want to take a moment to thank all of you for supporting my work, whether it's through buying my books or telling your curious friends about the podcast, joining the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit, or supporting my work through Patreon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I really deeply appreciate all of it. And I'm really excited to explore new ways to be of service to you this year. And speaking of Patreon, a big welcome to new patrons, Charney and Abby Larner. Your generous support is vital to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And with that, let's get to my conversation with Sue. Welcome. I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Sue Patterson. Hi, Sue. Hi, Pam. Hi, hi. So I thought it would be fun to embrace the fresh energy of a new year by diving into some intention setting. Now, I personally am not a very big fan of New Year's resolutions because I find myself like 
after a couple of weeks, as life gets going, <laughs> using guilt and shame on myself, you know, I try, okay, you got to do this. You got to do this. You know, it, I just end up shaming myself when I don't do it. Um, so they end up kind of taking the same path as rules. You know, as I thought about why was I so resistant to them, they they really ended up being more like shortcuts trying to change my behavior, right? Okay, these are my resolutions. I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Um, right. And and they were really just shortcuts. So instead, I found it more helpful when I think about the kinds of changes that I'd like to see in my life and look at that through the lens of intention because that encourages me to remember why I want to do that. So it's not what I want to do per se. It's why I want to do these things. What, in a general sense, am I trying to move towards? So when that's the kind of question I ask myself, that motivates me to assess the moment and then make the choice freely each time, right? So I'm connecting and thinking about with the person that I want to become and I'm looking at changes in me as a person, not just changes in my behavior, you know, kind of surface level and the deeper level. So to chat about this, I invited Sue to join me. Hey. <laughs> Yay. Now, if you'd like to hear more about Sue's um, unschooling journey, I will link to her earlier episodes in the show notes. She's been with us before. But today we're going to talk about the kinds of unschooling related intentions that we might choose to focus on for the next while in the new year. So let's start with the kinds of intentions that might be helpful for someone who's recently started learning about unschooling, but hasn't yet decided to take the plunge. You know, maybe their kids aren't school age yet, but they're looking into it. Or maybe their kids are in school and they're contemplating whether or not they want to take their kids out. So what kind of intentions on in an unschooling sense might be helpful for someone at this stage of their journey? I think for, um, for those that haven't taken the plunge yet, I would ask them to think about what it could be like if they're, you know, just to kind of like you were mentioning about visualizing it, thinking about how could life be if we went this other route? Um, if they're under school age, it's a lot of the same of what they've been doing, right? Yeah. They're still playing, they're still engaging, they're still um, eager to learn. You know, I, I, I think about my own son who went to school and how he started like that. And then when he went to school, he just kind of was like weighed down and how yeah. kids end up not really liking that whole process. And it, it, it's so closely tied to their natural learning that they think that that's what they don't like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not it. It's the process that, that is so oppressive. And, and so with littler kids who've never been, they just see life so joyfully, you know, they, so it would be, imagine what it would be like if they had that kind of joy at five and at six and at seven and at eight and at 15. I mean, that's just like unheard of, right? <laughs> and so, but that's because if they don't have all that oppression, you know, all of that, Wait. learn this now, shelve your stuff now. Um, so, so for the younger kids, the parents of younger kids, I think just envision what it would be like if you could just keep doing this and you just keep bringing more 
to the table and seeing where they what they pick up on and what they like and and then going with it. And then for the people that have been in school now they know what it's like. <laughs> now they they get to envision something different. They get to envision a life that's not about wrangling for homework or a life that the kid is happy to get up in the morning because they're rested and their, their day is ahead of them and it's what they want to do. And that's what unschooling is like. As opposed, you know, lots of times people are like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that every single day. It's not even going to look like how it looked as a school kid. You know, an unschooled kid's life looks way, way different. So I like to have them think about what could this look like? What could it feel like? Kind of like where you were talking to about the why, where -hmm. you think about why would we make this choice? Why would we do this kind of unconventional thing? Well, because what would it be like? What would it feel like if, they had these happier days, if we had more connection, if we could engage in the things that really bring joy. So I always think, you know, <laughs> you know, there's that thing on New Year's where they talk about um, um, finding your word. And yes, yes. I always feel so much pressure around that. <laughs> like, oh, what's my one word? <laughs> <laughs> or or then I think what what really happens because you were talking about your shame and your and mm-hmm. that, that stays with you with the resolution for me I've forgotten my resolution by about the third <laughs> so I always thought I those people that gets the word but has it tattooed on my arm so that I can remember it and um so we all have our, our own little mountains to climb. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know. I lost track of where I was going with that. But I think when, oh, joy. Because I always come back to joy. That seems like the best word. Have more joy. Do things that make a joyful interaction or a joyful experience in your day. Or so, yeah, you got the laundry and you got the groceries and the lines are long and you've got all of these things. Where are you going to fit a little joy? What are you going to do for joy? And so when, when I ask clients to visualize what this could look like, um, where could there be more joy? How could they plug that in? So, I don't know, that's what I always think of when when I end up coming back to that one word. And maybe that would be my key, is that every year I should have the same word. <laughs> and then next year I'll remember it till the 5th. And the next year I'll remember it till the 10th. <laughs> oh, shiny eyes. That's awesome. So well, you know, and, I mean, people do know that I, <laughs> I really connect with the word joy. Um, Because, you know, my website's been around for, you know, many, many years. But that that's always something that's so helpful for me, that lens of, you know, taking the step, making the choice that steps closer to to joy rather than away from it. Right. Yeah. So something else before we go to the next, I was thinking the other thing that people really. Yes, it's great to visualize how awesome it could be. But it's also really important to get clear on why are you hesitating? What are you afraid of? 
and really like pull it out into the light. Isn't that what they say? That fear is kind of like mold. It doesn't survive in the light. <laughs> and, um, and so what are you afraid of? Find people that can talk to you about unschooling so that you can discover whether it's a rational fear or an irrational fear. Is it a fear that happens because you were conditioned to think that, that learning is drudgery or that learning has to be linear or that learning needs experts or all those kinds of things? Is that what's holding you back? Because if that's the case, call me. <laughs> because like in a quick 30-minute phone call, I can like crank out a bunch of, of explanations that will shoot all kinds of holes in those kinds of fears. Because sometimes it's just a lack of knowledge, right? They just don't know. They only know what school's been telling them. And then society reinforces all along. And, and that's not the case. So I think that looking at what your fears really are and getting specific. Because you know, too, when you have fear and you're like, oh, I'm so afraid. And then you keep it really big. You can't, you can't deal with that. That's just too big. You have to, like, chop it up. And then figure out, all right, that one, not a problem anymore. That one, not a problem. That one's still a problem. All right. And so, I don't know. So that's just something else I think that the really new people need to think about. And, um, you know, what are myths? What are, what are just irrational fears? Well, so. that's it. Because you don't, you don't know at the beginning. For people who are just starting to learn about unschooling, they don't know Right. Uh, my, they just know their fears. They don't know whether they're rational or rational, like you were saying. So for me, when I thought about this, something that was really important from my perspective was about this learning, right? Because they're learning about unschooling was the, I like to think of it as beginner's mindset, you know, being open because you're going to end up coming across all these new ideas that, right. that seem so counterintuitive, at first, right. right? Because they're right. very unconventional. And and uh, tied in with that is being extra careful um, about feeling defensive, right? Because so often when we hear new ideas, our first reaction is to defend our current um, outlook, like our current answer, what we think yeah. right now. Yeah. But right now when you're learning about something new, um, just going through your days, like when you're learning, when you're reading about unschooling, when you're listening to podcasts, reading books, you know, um, online groups, websites, whatever it is, right now you're in information gathering mode. So approaching it with that beginner's mindset, that openness to new ideas, just because you're open doesn't mean you're agreeing per se, because you're still learning. You don't know yet. Like you said, you're, you're pulling these fears. These fears are popping up as you're reading things and you're thinking, Oh, but what about this? But that doesn't make sense, etc. But just keep that openness, keep that openness, approach your information gathering with the intention to being open to new ideas and, and to not let um, that that defensiveness jump up right away because that closes you off, right? You can't make connections. You can't think. So right now you're just wanting to be open to it. And I love how that ties into, you know, open to learning new things and imagining what it could be like. Right. Right. Imagining, well, you know, what would what might this lifestyle be like? And you made that, that great point about how your relationship with your kids is going to look 
very different with unschooling than it does while they're at school. So, you know, that's one of the first things to kind of work through and break through. It's like, if I have such a hard time getting along with my kids right now, because, you know, you're trying to get them ready and out the door and you're trying to get them to do your homework and all that kind of stuff, that stuff, that control piece is really hard on a relationship. And if that's mostly the kind of relationship, you know, right now with them, right. Which it has to be if they're yeah. school kids, because that's, school. that's what your four o'clock to nine o'clock is all about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, trying to, trying to reinforce and yeah. all that. It's so hard. I was talking to this one person and she said, oh, I don't even want to be a teacher. I couldn't do that. And I'm like, there's not a lot of teaching necessary. <laughs> and she's like, no, like today my kids had a snow day. And I painted, and they watched YouTube videos. And I said, and, and see, I don't have a problem with that. You're saying that like that's a negative. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, well, then maybe we could be friends. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my goodness, people are so funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to number two. So this is um, how about some intentions that might be helpful for parents that are in their first year or so of unschooling. So they're deep into de-schooling, actually trying to learn about, live, engage with their kids. And and they're deep in that challenge of shifting their parenting style, often like we were talking about, from control right. to connection, right. right? So not only are they deep in, you know, in shifting how they see learning, they're also deep into that parenting shift. So it's a lot of de-schooling that first year. So what kind of intentions do you think can help people um, when they're in that situation? I think that first year is really, I want to say that it's really critical, but it, I mean, but it really can affect your trajectory. You know, it can affect, okay, so I went off this way and now I got to come back this way. (laughs) And so I think that, um, I think it's really important that first year to, to remember that, and as they step into our community, they start to see all kinds of ways people homeschool and they, what things that they call unschooling and it's not, <laughs> and they're kind of eclectic. They're doing a little of this and they're doing, and, and so I think it's easy to kind of get off path. And then next thing you know, you're looking at curriculum and you're like, well, he's into bugs. So I'll do a unit study on it and we'll do all these little cute writing sheets. And that's not unschooling. You know, and, and I think that, well, on one hand, I don't care whether people end school or not. You know, I just want them to have a happy, joyful life with their kids. But I think it is super easy for us to fall back to the familiar. Worksheets are familiar. Mm -hmm. Um, A teacher telling us what to learn is familiar. And so when you don't have a really solid foundation yet, because you can't have it, you know, your first year, you're just kind of working on it. you get a little nervous and then you slip back into familiar. And so what I would say is don't look at anything curriculum-y. Don't look at the cutest worksheets on bugs. Don't look at somebody's authentic. Focus on your child for that whole year 
And because let me tell you, we are mere mortals when it comes to the marketing complex that's out there. It's going <laughs> to tap into your fear and it's going to drive it home. And then next thing you know, it's a midnight and you're spending $499 for this kit that's sure to be the thing. <laughs> and it's not the thing. I can't tell you how much money I wasted because I didn't, I didn't like make this promise to myself, don't go buy anything. May it, buy games, buy things they like to do, buy things we could do together. But without that veil of this is real learning or this is academic or this is the most sugar-coated academic we could get in there, you know, don't, don't let yourself do that because if you can just hold off, just tell yourself it's just for a year, it's just for a year, it's just for a year. If you can tell yourself don't do it for a year, what you will have done is you will have created an entire year of experiences that you'll be able to tap into what life looks like when you don't dictate it. What life looks like when you're not orchestrating everything. What life looks like when you trust that your kid's hardwiring is going to propel them in the direction he wants to go. <laughs> so I think, I, I think if you can just promise yourself, I'm not going to look at that stuff yet. Because everybody's all about second guessing. Oh, I'm on this path, but I don't know. I'm on this path, but I don't know. So don't do that. Say, I'm on this path for this amount of time, and I'm not looking at a single marketing thing for sale. I only want to get my head on straight. Because that's, that's where you can make all the difference in the world. And then you can, because what you'll see and what unschoolers discover some people discover it and then choose unschooling and some people start unschooling and then discover it is that when you prioritize what your kid wants to do, when you value what they want to do, even if it's watching Ryan open gifts, open things on YouTube over and over and over. My husband the other day, he's listening to my grandson and he's like, gosh, that guy says, dude, dude, dude. Cause he's watching YouTube, you know, and I'm like, just go with it. <laughs> and, um, but if you can prioritize what they love, that connection that's going to happen between you is going to be off the charts. It's going to be not, it's so interesting because it's kind of a byproduct, you know, that that connection comes because you listened to them. Because that's all we really want as human beings, right? To be listened mm -hmm. to. And so if you're listening and valuing what they value without that little, hmm, hmm, it only takes a little, right? These unschooled kids, they're like honed in on that expression on your face. That you're like, it's okay. <sighs> oh, they know that's not good. They can feel that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so you got to get into it. You've got to be fine with it or turn your face away. If you've got one, my daughter's like, mom, you have one of those faces. I'm like, no, you just have had a lot of years to read it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but I think that if you can value the things that they value, then um, connection's going to be so strong. And if you give yourself a full year, because if you're busy thinking, I'm going to find this cute little spelling program <laughs> and push it on them. And what that means is the things they want to do have to be shelved. You want them to walk through these steps 
because it's good for them, because their life ahead of them will need it, you think. And that that's interfering with your connection. So yep. don't do it. It's not worth it. But number one, and I'll tell you because I did buy those little spelling programs in the first year, um, it's a waste of time, you know. My, <laughs> my kid that's a speller is a speller. My kid that is not a speller is not a speller. And no amount of quizzes on Friday <laughs> are going to really make a big change. You know, what's going to make a big change is how often they see the words. They see the correct spelling in texting and in reading and in games and instruction. It just becomes part of their world. And next thing you know, they know how to spell it. So mm-hmm. um, that's I what love- I think about that. I love that. And I love the idea of, of giving yourself that first year, right? Mm-hmm. And just, just releasing releasing that need. And, and I would say, along with um, avoiding curriculum, be very careful about uh, even um, formal activities. You know what I mean? Like, like signing them up. Like, because what we're trying to do in this first year is really see all the other kinds of learning. That's all the other ways that our, our kids can learn. Like, and I loved, cause that was something I had here too. When you mentioned um, being with your kids, right? Really getting to know who they are, watch them, play with them. You, you, that is how you discover the learning that is happening right. without the curriculum. Right. If you're not with them and, you know, seeing what they're doing and having conversations with them where they're using these new words that they found, where they're sharing this idea, this video they saw. And then three months later, making a connection between this video they just saw and the one they saw three months ago. And like you need that year to really see the connections and growth of their learning and all the learning that happens outside. Once you give yourself that year, then you're like we don't need this, right? Because you can see that learning. It's not real learning isn't memorizing. It's making the connection and building that picture of your world, right? So that's why you need this time because then you can see the connections they're putting together. You can see them building that picture. So if they say, oh, I'd love to play guitar and your first reaction is, let's get you guitar lessons. (laughs) That, that is a clue um, that you've got more de-schooling to do, like that, that you still think that formal lessons are the best way to answer the question, I'd like to learn something. And that's why, you know, avoiding it kind of the first year so you can discover the other ways. Pick up a guitar. You know, I remember when the kids were younger, we went to the music store in town and we rented an instrument for a month. Right. You know, if we couldn't, you know, uh, buy one and, you know, when they just want to try it out, maybe you don't want to invest in buying one. What I mean, we rented drums for a month. <laughs> right. Right. You know, we'd rented all sorts of instruments for them to play around with for a month. You know, there's YouTube. There's like a million ways. They Maybe they just want to sit there and strum and figure it out themselves for a while. So it's not saying formal lessons are a bad thing. It's not a judgment about that at all. Maybe their interest grows and grows. And then the next step of, you know, formal lessons, he's like, hey, I want to take some lessons with somebody. 
you know, I, I know somebody right now, an adult who's, who's doing guitar lessons, um, like with somebody on the other side of the world, oh, wow. like, like us yeah. here, right? Right. All right. You know, so there's, there's a million ways to learn. So in this first year, as you're avoiding curriculum, because you don't want to give it more value than all the other learning that we're seeing. Also think of that in the way of formal lessons. Don't jump to my daughter loves dancing. I need to sign her up for dance classes. Maybe it's okay to put some videos on, put some music on and dance around the living room. And she's perfectly happy. You right. know what I mean? Right. Maybe, you know. Or maybe have a couple of friends over and have a dance party. Exactly. You know? Like, just use that, use this little constraint on yourself this first year of not, that not being your first choice to be more creative because now you're going to start thinking about all the different ways that people can learn. Think about the way you right. learn. So this is another step of your de-schooling. And now the biggest piece about hanging out with your kids is actually seeing all that stuff you've read about and heard about, seeing it in action with your own kids. It's like, right. oh, look, they made that really cool connection with that other thing. You know, when we went to the park and then, you know, two, two months later, we're watching a nature documentary and they're remembering that, right. oh, I saw that beaver. That was a beaver. Um, you know, marks on the tree or, you know, whatever right, right, it right. is, right. right? But seeing it in action with your own kids, that's how you're building trust and unschooling, right? Is you've read about it, you've learned about it, you you know in your head how it's supposed to work, but now this first year, oh, you're really going right. to, yeah, you're going to hang with your kids, you're going to see it in action, you're going to be developing trust and unschooling because you're actually going to see it happening with your own kids. And you're going to be like you were talking about developing trust with your children, right? right. Because you're going right. to be hanging out with them. You're going to be talking with them. You're going to be connecting on what they love. And you're going to be building that trust in the relationship with them as well. That's going to pay off. Because I think, too, Correct. that a lot of times people think with unschooling that it's kind of hands off or something, that we just wait and hope that the kids pick something and soar with it. And, you know, and it's really all about what you're saying, that this connection, because you really do bring life experiences. Mm -hmm. But instead of seeing it in framed with courses and classes and, you know, think of it as because we've had this connection, I know about this cool thing that's happening in town. And maybe we could go see it and maybe, you know, and then, but then be careful because sometimes what happens is they were like, and the kids said, I don't want to go. Or the kids said, (laughs) I don't like that. And, um, and so part of unschooling is learning how to introduce new things, you know, because sometimes maybe it's on our way home from something else. We swing, you know, if you have a kid that like doesn't like to leave home, Sometimes we're going to expose them to other things, but maybe we don't have to do it like in a real intrusive way. We can yeah, do it in a way that's easier for them. Yeah. And so, and then we have to pull our ego out of it, right? That because we thought it'd be a great idea. <laughs> and how dare you reject my idea? We're so flexible <laughs> over here. <laughs> and, um, and I think that we have to let that go. And realize that even when we say that and they reject it, that doesn't mean they won't come back to it later. And you you just keep throwing out a little thing here, a little thing there. And what's super, super cool about it is that 
when you let a child reject what you want, it's so empowering to them that you can't say, I gave them a choice, but they don't really have a choice. The choice means you get to say no. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's been really a big eye opener for me because I'm like, but I'm full of fabulous ideas. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, but those are great for you. (laughs) Exactly. I find, you know what? I learn just as much about my kids by the things they say no to. Oh, right. The things they say yes to. Like the course correction, right? yeah, Yeah. For me, it's all good information right Right. and like you said now they even if they didn't choose to do it whatever it was in the moment they now know it exists in the world right right Right. like you don't have to keep asking them you know every every quarter do you want to do this like do you want to sign up for this do you you know every week do you want to go to the park You, you know you don't have right. to because that's going to build a resistance. Well, like mom really wants me to do this. Exactly. And you're it's ignoring the data that's being presented. The data being presented is no. The mm. data being presented is I like cozy or I want it's cold outside. Or, you know, then when you've had your whole year, you can look and see they really kind of like to cocoon in the winter. <laughs> And you start to learn things about them, which you can't really see when you just take that one little snapshot. Yeah. But when you look at it for the whole year, you're like, yeah, I remember every May they start to kind of <laughs> want to move outside a little more. You just start yeah. gathering you more just, time about Yes. It. You just, you need that time to get to right. know them, right? And, and to the, the most fun thing, too, is to just help them do what they're wanting to do, right? Right. So, yeah, sure, I bring the things that I think would be cool if we did. But, yeah, not having the expectation that they think the same things are cool, that's a great right. piece. And then finding out the things that they would like to do and doesn't even mean having to leave the house, right? Just right. things that they would like. I remember so many forts. So much fort building, oh <laughs> you know, those first six months. Oh, we can take the couch apart. We can, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And embracing yeah. that and just seeing them. Oh, let's go back to the joy. Figure out the things that make their eyes shine with joy right. and just help them do that often. And it's amazing, isn't it? Right. <laughs> yep. Okay. You know, we were talking yeah. to you before. I know you got another question for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's finish <laughs> Talking to about um, things to avoid in the first year. So the things I think to do instead, I mean, there are some things to do. Mm-hmm. And some of the things to do are work on yourself. Work on undoing some of that conditioned thought that um, that we all have. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, even those people that didn't go to school, which there, I mean, there are now more and more of them, but they still have society's input. And they still have PBS shows that are telling when Daniel's going to school and <laughs> Daniel the Tiger. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's there everywhere. And so you have to have a, I think, that one of the things that is really helpful is that while you're having this hands-off of orchestration, you know, um, focus on yourself. Have your, you know, think about things. Think about learning. 
Think about children. Think about what is your philosophy? What's your big why? What, what fears do you have and what proof do you have that those aren't true? <laughs> you know, just different ways that you can kind of play with it. And, um, you know, get, get your book, watch, listen to these podcasts, you know, do put yourself like on a steady diet of it, you know, so that this is what's countering some of the stuff that's been coming at you for 20 some years, 30 some years. That yeah. reminds me because that first year I, I did exactly that. You know, we really did cocoon for like at least the first six months, you right. know, because I didn't want to keep going out and and being bombarded with questions, you know, from people who, you know, from lots of family and friends, because I didn't understand unschooling well enough to explain, you right. know, to answer the questions yet. I was still, you know, learning and still um, seeing it in action with my kids. So that's why it was really important for us um, to mm -hmm. cocoon for a long while. Um, mm -hmm. because then like I, like we were talking about, right. I did all that thinking and I saw it in action with my kids. That's how I solidified my trust in our choices and understood them beyond like the intellectual, this is how unschooling works. Now I like understood it in my bones cause I'd seen it in action right. and been right. a part of it. And that's mm -hmm. when I could finally, you know, start stepping out a little bit more and more right. confidently saying, no, the kids don't go to school. <laughs> Yeah, yeah no, and you know, it helps to sometimes have some handy things, handy comments in the back of your pocket, you know, in the back pocket where you could say, yeah, this works for us now. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing, you know, just some little just back. not inviting conversation so about it. you don't have right. to engage. Like you were talking earlier about defensiveness. Yeah. You don't have to defend it. You don't have to be the poster child for unschooling. You can just say, yeah, I thought about that. Yeah, we're thinking about that. That's a good. That's a good thing to think about. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, and then you bring, and then you just change the subject, right? Exactly. Yeah. All right. All right. Now let's step forward a few more years. Okay. So we're thinking about unschooling parents who've got a few years of experience. You know, I sometimes you know things are going pretty smoothly, right? And we think, oh, we've got this unschooling thing down. <laughs> And then things change, don't they, right? They always, things are always changing. And then it's like, I do love that, the saying that goes, change is the only constant in life, right? Right, right. <laughs> So if unschooling parents kind of find themselves here, you know, they're, they're quite comfortable with unschooling. They understand it. And, you know, maybe they've been in a spot where it's been pretty comfortable. Their kids' interests have kind of been the same. Everybody kind of knows each other and and is hitting their routine, you've kind of gotten in the flow for a little while, maybe for maybe for a few weeks, maybe even for a few months. It, it That depends on your kids' personalities, right? And then things might be changing up. What kind of intentions or focus can we bring to the new year if we're in that situation? I think we have to remember that parenting is all about being flexible. You know, it's, it's recognizing that your kids from zero to 20 are in this rapid growth. They're taking things in and they're adjusting their course and they're taking things in and then their maturity level is getting bigger, more, more developed. 
And then their life experience, body of knowledge, body of life, you know, that they have more, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, they're going to change. And so I think that we're really <laughs> unrealistic when we think, okay, we got this down. Yeah, they're not, you know, right now, but next <laughs> week, uh, just like when they were babies, as soon as you're like, okay, I finally figured out how to childproof this house. And now <laughs> they've discovered something else, you know? <laughs> now they're on the Yeah, it's the same. It's always going to be some change that's happening so I think that and the other thing that can happen is that lots of times people fall into unschooling or it makes sense to them right away and they're clicking you know with their kids in a way that moves everybody forward in this kind of joyful wonderful way and then they didn't do the foundation work and so then they yeah. discover that when they hit a bump in the road or their kid makes a choice that they just think is horrible or, um, or they're up, you know, now they're a certain age and in their mind they're thinking, yeah, but at 10, shouldn't they be blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, then if you haven't done the foundation work, you might get tripped up by that. Yeah. So I think that what happens, what, if that happens for you, is that know that foundation work can happen anytime. At any point of time, you can decide, all right, time to listen to the podcast. Yeah. Time to get Sue's monthly unschooling guide. Time to get a little more help and connect with people and talk about how it's really going. And I think that, um, you know, I, it was always interesting to me over at Unschooling Mom to Mom, I would get messages from people who would say, I don't want to post this on the group because people turn to me for help and I'm having doubt. And I'm like, Phew. you know, one thing I know is that when your insides don't match your outsides, you are in for trouble. <laughs> you know, you really got to get clear so that it matches so that, and so I always think it's not a bad thing to share with people that you're having problems. That's not going to shake. No, you don't have that kind of power. Yeah. You can't really shake somebody to the core. If they're finding what they want and they're working on their own foundation, you and your stuff, that's you and your stuff. So don't worry about that. Always go ahead and be true to yourself. Ask the questions you really have. You know, I have a private group that, um, has 40 or 50 people in it, but like on the coach, we do weekly coaching calls. And so once a week they come in there on a zoom thing like this. And so it's like Brady bunch where everybody yeah. has questions and answers and stuff. And, um, and it's really, really helpful to just go ahead and t say your truth. I thought I was going to be fine with this and now I'm not. <laughs> and, and then we can kind of help peel back. What, what part's not fine? You know, what part is giving you trouble? Because you're probably, I mean, not even probably, I guarantee you, 100%, you're not alone. Somebody else is having this same kind of second guessing. And, you know, the way you get to unschooling success is knowledge and support. You just need those two things. You need, And if you need more knowledge, we know how to get it, right? We know how to find it. Read it, listen to it, internalize it, 
and support, we know how to find that too. Even if you live in a community that doesn't have an unschooler within 20 miles, you still can get support. Uh-huh. That's such a great point. And I like, you know, the idea, again, that it's that perfectionism, that that we need to be perfect, that when we make a choice, we need to be perfect at it. I mean, that's, that's one of my favorite chapters in my Unschooling Journey book is yeah. a chapter on temptation, like second-guessing yourself, not being sure of your path. For every hero on every journey, like that is so ubiquitous to being human that it is literally a whole stage on the hero's journey. All right. And we see it ourselves in the unschooling journey. And and it's not something to be embarrassed and and ashamed of. It's just some it's just something to work through, right? It life isn't about getting to a point where I'm never second guessing. You know, because then you're kind of closed off. You're not still learning. Maybe this second guessing piece is something, you know, you're second guessing it because it's something that you haven't dove deep enough into to really understand the foundation of it, to really understand, um, you know, why um, the why these choices help. You know, whatever, whatever the issue is, you haven't peeled back all the layers on it. I mean, that's what that second guessing is there to help you do. It's not to be like totally embarrassed that it's come up. It's like, oh, gee, I I haven't really thought about that. My first reaction is this, and I'm not comfortable with that. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, this fear is coming up. Right. Whatever it is, that that's okay, that those things come up. But the thing to do is to use that to dig deeper, not mm-hmm. to just like, you know, throw your hands up and say, oh, my God, we're going in this totally different direction. No, you know, and you may make different choices at the end of it, but it's to peel it back so that you deeply understand the fear and and you can get through that fear piece so that you're making real choices again. Because when you're stuck in fear and second guessing, you're not really making choices. You're reacting to things. Right. Right. Rather than rather than choosing things. So, yeah, I think that is a really great point for bringing up now, because, you know, once you've got a few years under your belt, because of course, you are the person that people are turning to, you know, and and you're still in the thick of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I we all have questions. We all have things coming up in our life. Yeah, I mean, I I. You know, my kids are all in their 20s, and I still am misstepping or mm-hmm. having having an, um, wishing a choice went differently and all those things that are just real life. It's just part of being human. Yes. And I think that sometimes that people get this, this idea, like the perfectionism, people get this illusion that you're going to get there. Yes, <laughs> that there's a there to get to. There's a there that's like paradise, and there's no they. I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but, no <laughs> but I think too that to remember that if you're somebody that a lot of people have been coming to, and you're and you're really afraid because that happens a lot, right? You start to get confident, your kids are doing great. Next thing you know, you're starting a support group, and now people are coming and talking to you. I think the thing to remember is that. You having second thoughts and figuring out 
what to do to correct your course or how do you find answers to what you need? Where do you look for the resources? Is the perfect modeling for the brand new unschooler mm-hmm. who can see that <clears throat> who's going to, you know, when people feel like, Oh, I did, I thought everybody else had it all figured out. And I, I'm the only one that doesn't have it figured out. So I need to just go ahead and go this other way. No, they can see society is constantly coming at us. Parenting is constantly changing. Kids are constantly changing. It is not, the slightest bit far-fetched that you can have some second thoughts along the way. You know, you're going to expect that you're going to expect that you're going to. Yes. And exactly. think about how your resources, what, what resources do you have when you have those low moments? What do you do? Start thinking about it because I'm promising you, you'll have a low moment. Yeah. Have, have that, you know, structure around you. The other thing I wanted to mention too, like, um, that I found helpful when things are changing um, is to focus back on my kids, right? Get back to that relationship, revisit, rebuff that connection and trust and watch my kids again. Because you know what? So often I began second guessing when things were going so well, things were flowing. So I kind of was off doing my own thing and we kind of just slowly grew a bit distant and then all of a sudden now things that they're choosing don't make sense to me right because I'm not quite as connected with them that's really good to think about yeah Yeah. so that when I notice disconnection um well and you don't even know what that is I'm second guessing because they're making choices that I don't understand or they're doing things that are making me uncomfortable it's because I'm not knowing them well enough to understand where they're coming from right Right. That, you know, I can't, I, I don't know that in the moment. That's, that's me understanding, having seen that pattern happen over and over again. Just a couple times. <laughs> but that's one, that's one of the things I learned over the years is when I was second guessing and I was uncomfortable, it's like, okay, I need to turn to my kids more. Right. Not step back in fear and try to process it logically, mm-hmm. try to logic out of it because that, makes me even more distant, right? Because I'm a little right. of what right. they're doing, so I'm staying away from them and trying to get in my head, right. but rather right. go to them more, spend more time with them, engage with them more. All of a sudden, the things that they're saying and doing will truly make more sense because I'm right. knowing who they are in this moment better because they're changing all the time, just as we are, right? That's good. All That's right. Really helpful to people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ooh, here, here's a favorite one for you. Uh, okay. Fresh intentions for the new year when you're unschooling uh-huh. with teens. Well, I think that um, I think the thing to remember is that your teen path isn't their teen path. That you think, well, I did this when I was a teenager, and I loved it, so they should do it, because they'll love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, the, or the other thing, I did this, and I got in so much trouble, and I want to prevent them from ever mm-hmm. having that trouble. Neither of those are going to fly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the thing to remember is, this is why that connection part is so important, yeah. because... Um, 
you have, they're not a mini me. You know, you always see those things where people write about my mini me and you're like, oh, sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) I understand that we like to connect to our offspring like that. (laughs) But they have their own choices and their own path and their own experiences and all of that. So I think to remember that you have to give them room to do Mm -hmm. that. And you have to get okay with really terrible choices. (laughs) Terrible choices in your mind because you're a little judgy because we all are. We all want our kids to stay happy all the time. We want them to have all the best choices, all the doors open, all the everything. They're going to make choices that might close a door or might make them unhappy or might do something. And what is more important than their happiness and their choices is that they got to do it, that they got to make the choice, see what happens. Isn't it like a a Piaget quote that is about that if you get in there and you solve it for them, you've robbed them of the opportunity to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And just like when we move to a new town, how do we learn how to get anywhere? We probably get lost. <laughs> and then we learn all the back roads. And so the worst possible things that you think could happen during a teenager's life will help them at some point. And I'm not saying set them up for like, does that, I mean, but I am saying don't, don't catastrophize it so much that you never let them fail. You know, let them make choices that flop while you're right there as the safety net, you know, because if you don't, then that's why people, you know how people complain that kids go off, they go to school and they're on that thing to college and then they go to college and they have no clue what to do because everybody has told them what to do their whole life. Yeah. Yeah. This way, your teenager's lives, they're seen. What happens when you make a wrong decision? How do you regroup? Because they will in their life. And so learning you know how. I, I, would, I, I wouldn't even call it a wrong decision per se, but yeah. it's, it's a choice that doesn't go as they expected. There you go. That's right? good. That's right. And that's really an important thing to reframe it in your head like that. Because we're so often we're like, oh, they're hanging with the wrong kids. Oh, you know, and we're, and we're like, as, as opposed to just thinking, that looks different than how I saw it in my head. Yeah. And I wonder where this is going to go and I wonder what kind of support I can offer. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, we get fearful, then we get controlling, then they resist. It's such a like predictable pattern. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And then mad that they resisted because they had this great life. And, (laughs) Well, yeah, um, because as soon as we try to control it, we own the experience. They don't own the experience anymore, right? right. So right. so when something, whatever happens that comes out of it, they're not owning it and, and understanding it and processing it as something to learn from, a choice they've made. They're just like, right. see, mom, that didn't work. Or I don't like the way that went or, you know, whatever. Or like you said, resentful that they didn't get to do whatever. Right. 
But yeah, right. you once you're making the choices for them, you're taking the experience out of their hands. And what they're learning is not what they would have learned by making the choice. Like, and back to what we've been talking about all along, you know, we're still connected, involved, hands-on, having conversations with them, you know, maybe chatting pros and cons. You know, if we have concerns about something, trying to figure out a way that our concerns can be met while they're still doing what it is that they're wanting to do. You know, it's not... I'm going to let them out in the wild now or or anything like that. And and I think that's a bad choice. So you just go do that and live with whatever the consequences are. That's not the kind of relationship that we have, you know, it's the opposite of connecting. So like you're stopping a connection because you didn't like their choice. Yes. And then you're mad that you're not connected, but you did that. (laughs) Yeah. You said, I'm only going to connect with you if you make the choices I like. Yep. That's that's definitely something to be careful. (laughs) And I mean, I I think that's kind of the biggest thing, right? Is so what's specific about the teen years, I think, and you, you mentioned that as well, is that space, you know, they're going to be wanting likely to be doing more things when you're not right there with them, right? Maybe you don't even have to take them if they're going out places. You know, it's right. it's that trust that you've been building up over the years is now going to be trust at a little bit of a distance, right? Right. That doesn't mean like we've just been talking about, doesn't mean your connection is less, doesn't mean that trust has to be less, any of that. It's just trusting to give them the space that they're asking for. Right. Right. right? I think that's that's kind of the biggest shift when they start hitting the teen years is they may have yeah. more things. You know that Myra, that Myra Kirschenbaum book is always the thing I recommend to people, yeah. um, the parent-teen breakthrough. It's a yeah. relationship approach and I would say get it before they're teenagers mm-hmm. because the whole thing is about learning how how you have fear and your fear makes you want to control and if you can learn how to not do that when they're seven and eight then when they're 13 you're going to have a different experience you know it's not going to be so um foreign to you yeah because this will be how you've been living all along <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So there was one other place that I wanted to touch on, situation. So um, often in unschooling families, there's one parent who's doing the bulk of the parenting and the unschooling, right? While their partner focuses more on earning a family income. I know that's not all situations, absolutely. But if there's one, one partner parent um, who's less hands-on involved all the time. I didn't want to forget about them. So I wanted to chat about the kind of New Year's intentions that can help the parent who's a little less involved in the day-to-day unschooling. Um, What can help them on their journey? You know, I think this is one of those side things that we, that we don't even, we don't talk about a whole lot, but, um, but when we have unschooled, when our, family choice is unschooling, everybody wins. Everybody benefits because there's connection, right? So if you have a lot of connection because you've got that lot of exposure that's happening, um, you want to help your spouse have more connection too because that's what they're wanting. 
And, um, and so what, you know, sometimes what happens is that the spouse hasn't done all the reading you're, you've done, hasn't gotten on the groups and read through the questions and answers and listened to the podcasts and they're doing, they're doing their job. They're bringing in the money so that you can do what you need to do with the kids. And I think that it's easier, it's, it's easier for us to kind of get swept away that we totally get it. We're all on down the road and they're still way back here <laughs> going, yeah. why are you still in your PJ? <laughs> or, or what'd you learn today for God's sakes? <laughs> and I think that if we can, instead of getting defensive, yeah. you know, because that's what happens because you're like, well, remember, defensiveness comes because you just didn't get your foundation strong enough. Yeah. So if you feel defensive, no, I need to I need to read a little bit more about this because it's, it's not too. necessarily what they have to say at all. Because you know how it is when somebody says something that is um, critical of a position you have and you've already walked – address that in your mind it's just like water off a duck's back you know it doesn't even you're like yeah yeah now it's a little different when you've got a spouse because they get to have a say other people you're like sorry no vote but he or she does get to have a vote and so I think that recognizing I want to bring you on this journey with us this is a blast I want you to have fun too so I need you to understand and what often happens is somebody says, so I handed him an article and he didn't read it. Or I told him the podcast and he's never even opened it. Okay, so go another way. There's your data. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Don't That's keep going at it like him. that. That's not the way. So maybe the way is to send him texts throughout the day of something cool that happened. Or tell him a text that I just heard the funniest conversation with my kid on Skype with this other kid. Oh, my gosh, it was adorable. Send it to him. Send him a picture of something they made. Or talk to him about how they were able to do something that they worked so hard for. And this is the same thing they were like throwing the remote across the room and they were mad and they can't do it. And, and now they can do it. And so show them how they could persist. And if they're still kind of in a schooly mindset, point some things out. Talk to them about story development. Talk to them about, oh, my gosh, I noticed that his texting isn't all this phonetic spelling anymore like it used to be. Um, explain to him those, take the time to do it because getting your spouse on board with this will make your life easier in the long run. It'll make a joyful home, you know, find games that he likes, he or she likes to play with the kids or things they like to do together and make it available so that they can, you know, do the things that help them have a connection because just because you've been reading a whole lot about how important connection is, he necessarily hasn't, you know. So so you just need to kind of, I'm going to help you figure this out. And maybe you go out to eat with them, just them, and say, okay, I'm going to stop sending you articles. <laughs> I'm gonna, this is my New Year's resolution. 
Yeah. No <laughs> No podcasts. Instead, I'm going to send you texts of real life that's happening because if you could see what I could see, oh my gosh, you would love it. And I think that when you really joyfully embrace it, they married you for a reason. <laughs> There's something there about, or they're sharing their parenting with you because they want to. And so I think that if you can tap into that and, and talk about trusting each other, you know, that he, they can trust that you are going to share those things that help their connection. You know, it's like you need to toss them a lifeline so that they can come back in and, and be more participating in what's going on. And, um, and so I think sometimes it takes some deliberate effort on our part. Yeah. And a lot of times people are like, well, well, you know, he's a grown up. He can go read it himself. Yeah. But okay. So you want to draw the line in the sand there? Is that really where you want to draw it? <laughs> That's the other thing too. Like maybe the way we like to learn is reading, but maybe that's not the way they like to learn. The way they pick up right. things, meeting them where they are is so important. Maybe you're going to be using schoolishy words for a while. Cause if he's in right. the, or she, whatever, whoever, um, you know, yeah, is yeah. the less involved parent, um, you know, maybe the way where they are is that they're looking for learning that looks like school. Right. So right. exactly. When you talked about instead of if, if they don't connect with reading about it or listening to conversations about it or that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just dive into real life and just start showing them like, you know what their questions are, the kinds of things right. that they're, that they're confused right. about in the moment. And you can, pay attention to your lives and just point out little tidbits that will connect with what they're thinking about or concerned about right now. Now I took this question from the tack of the intentions of the less involved parent, but it, it ties just beautifully <laughs> with what you were saying, because I would encourage them to focus on being um, engaged with their children when they can, like when, when they're home um, and right. I'm finding ways um, to connect with them. So you were saying the things that they enjoy doing together, like encourage mm -hmm. your kids and encourage your, your spouse or partner to do those things so that they're hanging out with their kids more in a relaxed situation because then they'll get to know their kids better. Like, you know, I would encourage the less involved person, parent to really just focus on discovering who their kids really are. Like for now, try to get rid of that layer of expectation and say, for now, I'm just going to find out who they are, what they love, um, right. watch them in action and play with them doing the things that they like to do. And let's just do that for a few months. That'll be my focus for the next six months and just see who they are and see them in action. And I think that I think that will open their eyes so much. They'll start to see all those pieces. And especially if the other parent, the more involved parent is sending, you know, little texts here and there um, because you're, you're um, getting the opportunity to see what hear about what they've been doing and those little right. moments that you're not seeing. Right. And so being right. able to connect because that, that, 
parent is just trying to build a picture of the unschooling world that their kids are in, in their mind. Right now, the only world that they have is the school world, right? And they see how learning happens in the school world. They, chances are, experience that kind of learning. So when they're not there to see it completely, um, you know, all the time, encouraging them or being encouraged to just hang out with their kids have fun yeah, with and I think back to that really, joy right have right because i think a lot time. of people the the spouse that is away um feels really separate because mm. that you know in our situation like the mom and the kids have become this unit yeah <laughs> yeah this little guy out here you yeah. know and um i think that it's really important for a family to make sure that everybody gets as pulled in as possible. And that's mm-hmm. probably going to take deliberate effort on the stay-at-home parent to to get that happening. Yeah, and you know what else I found really helpful at that time too? So not only trying to find things that, you know, my husband and the kids enjoy doing together and encouraging them to do that, also encouraging Um, him to pursue the things that he was interested in, right? And, you know, not complaining about, oh, he's going out golfing or he's going out, you know, whatever it is that they're doing that, you know, I realized I used to complain about all the time they spent doing X, but now encouraging it and trying to bring joy into their life as well so that they are enjoying their days too. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like their, their time, their free time, right? Because then they're experiencing the same kind of environment that we're trying to create for our children, right? And we can even sometimes say that occasionally over and over, but say like, isn't this so cool when we get to, when we get to direct our own course, when we get to have as much fun in our life as we feel like having. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I love that. All right, last question. We often talk about how unschooling becomes a family lifestyle, one that doesn't end when the children become adults. Um, So, you know, how we approach our days once we're officially not unschooling anymore doesn't really change, does it? Because we're always learning and growing. We both said that, you know, we still hit new pockets. We're still questioning things. We're still always learning and growing. So I was curious what maybe a couple of your intentions are for 2019. Well, (laughs) which I normally don't even think of until the last day of 2018. (laughs) now I'm thinking of it ahead of time. And I actually do. I think that what I really would like to do, so I'm going to actually say it and put it out in the universe, is I want to do like big, and this, I mean, it could backfire. We could be talking again next year and you could be like, ooh. <laughs> I, want, I want to do big family trips like we did when they were little, you know. I know that it's hard to get away from work. And I know that it's hard to get everybody's schedules, but I just want three days, you know, three days that we could go somewhere big all together and do that like a couple times a year, a winter and a summer. That would just be so cool. And um, 
I don't know. I'm going to talk to them about it when they all come because Katie and Will come um, tomorrow. No, Wednesday. They come on Wednesday. And um, they come and then Michael and Katia come on Sunday and we're doing our our, um, gift exchange on the morning of Christmas Eve. And so we'll have Alyssa and Jackson and we'll have everybody. So I'm going to approach the the possibility of this because this is my intention. Because what I want is to make sure we all stay connected. And and it really takes deliberate effort when you've got all of this kind of outside stuff. And, um, you know, there's not... Oh, I, I have a decent-sized house, but there's starting to be not enough beds for everybody. <laughs> and, and so I need to – anyway, so that's my – that's an intention that I have, that I want to do more travel with them, not necessarily um, – you know, I did a lot of traveling for conferences and stuff like that. I kind of want to do less of that. I want to just travel with my family and go see some cool places. And and then um, and then for my business intention, I want to do more video. I'm kind of get, just embracing the fact, all right, you look like how you look like, just go ahead and do it. Because I think that, you know, that's one of those things you kind of got to get over. <laughs> and um, I – you know, unschooling mom to mom has kind of shifted a little bit and I had to take a little break because we had family stuff going on. And, um, I think I would like to deal with it a little bit differently instead of like the, for the past four years, it's like a constant barrage of questions and answers. I think that I want to do some more video that could still help people figure out how to have this joyful, happy life. And, um, you know, come on over. It's not so bad. <laughs> I just want them to be able to find that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna have an intention for doing video. You know, my intentions are always so action oriented. I'm such a, I'm such a problem solver. You know, <laughs> others have these lofty love and peace, and I'm like, all right, here's the action steps. <laughs> well, I mean, so what are your intentions, yeah. Pam? That seems like. Oh, yeah, a little more action. Like, I, I intend I to. I intend to. But anyway, I guess um, there's the one thing. Um, I, I do like the trip idea. And, and what we've done. Yeah, it's connection. Is, so my intention is connection. Yes. Yes. Oh, and that that goes great into mine. Like, what we've done is we planned a vacation, like, a year ahead. Right. With the yeah, kids. So we've already booked it for next November. <laughs> Where are you going? Oh, we're going we're going to Florida. We, oh we have a timeshare there, but we what we do is we go every other year now. That seems uh-huh. well, so we can like do a week at the timeshare and, and exchange and do like a week at the beach or whatever. Because um, nice. we had a lot of fun um, kayaking and hiking and biking and, and all that kind of stuff. So we're, yeah. we're going to focus on that. But that way, people can kind of work around it. They have many, many months to work and plan around. <laughs> take, some, take some effort. <laughs> um, but there's something, I mean, and it's it's the same old, same old, but reminding myself, I, I wrote it as pay attention to the dance of space and support. Right? So, you know, because the... The kids are all, um, you know, in their 20s, working, like doing all those things. Um, and it's just wanting to make sure that I'm paying attention 
Two, when I can be helpful, when clues that they're reaching out and maybe interested in, in some more information for me, where I can help and, you know, point things out, still bring things into their lives, right? And still react when they bring something into my life. Like not ignore it, not think, oh, I'm busy doing this, this, and this. No, to make sure that I'm keeping that as a priority. Because that's a priority. And it's not like an obligation priority. And this is who I want to be. I want to be the parent who is engaged but also, you know, that's why I love the metaphor of the dance because I also don't want to be leading a lot of the time with like expectation or, or you know, I because they can feel that. They can know it. And then when I have expectations, I just set myself up to be frustrated. Like, right. and I it know. It never goes like the story in your head, right? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know. These two big family vacations a year, I may be like setting myself up. <laughs> Well, but that's what I know you'll walk into it feeling it out. Like you said, you're going to bring it up and you're going to see and it's going to morph when you hear the feedback and what people say. So, you know, that's great. And so I just want to make sure that I'm staying kind of on top of that dance because that's an important part of the person that I want to be. And then the other, my other intention is to try and make a little bit more room in my weeks for a couple of hobbies of my own. Things that I want to make some space and time for. So basically I I love thinking about time because, and I refuse, I don't like saying I'm busy. I'm busy because time is my choice. Time isn't in control of me. It's just my priorities and what I am giving enough priority to take the time that I have. We all have the same amount of time, right? So for me, it's just um, taking that time to prioritize the things, the, some, some new things that I want to play around with. So there. All right. <laughs> there we go. What, are your hob- what are your hobbies? I'm going to ask. I'm going to turn oh, this on. What are your gosh. hobbies you want to make time for? Um, well, one of them's yoga. Nice. Uh, Yes, I've enjoyed that very much uh, over the years, but very, very, very sporadically. (laughs) So I want to make that a more regular thing and jewelry making. Oh, bracelets. I have like a thing for bracelets and earrings and things. (laughs) I enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah, now you have. You have your your home right there, ready for you. Dive in. I think I think I'm going to start getting up earlier. I think that's my new intention. Is that I, you know, I every now and then I get up early, and it's so pretty out, and it's so quiet, and you know, it just feels like. A clean I enjoy it. I get up. I get up between five thirty and six every morning. I get up about eight thirty or nine. <laughs> I go to bed earlier than you, I bet, oh, you know, sleep, sleep is very important to me. <laughs> yeah. This has been fun. Yes, it's been lovely. Always. Thank always. you so much, my dear, for taking the time. Happy New Year to everyone. Yes, oh, Happy New Year. year. Oh, this is but, come on in 2019, right? This is yes, gonna... this will be the very <laughs> first episode of 2019. Oh, I should make sure I get a picture of like a party hat. This is Happy New Year. That'll oh, be my... there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
thanks so much, Sue. I'll have links um, to the stuff that we mentioned and all the places that you can connect with Sue online. They'll be all in the show notes. Great. And Happy New Year, everybody. Have Happy fun New Year. setting your intention. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the third book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Life Through the Lens of Unschooling. This book is a wide array of essays drawn from my blog that shed light on the day-to-day lives of unschooling families. You'll find essays tackling everything from learning to read to visiting relatives, all organized around nine keywords that have been woven into the fabric of our unschooling lives. Deschooling, learning, days, parenting, relationships, family, lifestyle, unconventional, and perspective. The theme is life, the lens, unschooling. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.